Hey, welcome to the Owning Love podcast. My name is Rachel Brinton and I'm a certified life coach. I'm excited to share free tools that can revitalize your life and relationships. Let's make your life more lovable, my friends. This first podcast is going to be more of an overview of all the things that I want to cover within my podcast. So it's going to be a lot of information, but I promise we will take each part and break it down. In today's episode, I will be talking about owning love and why I chose that as the title of my podcast. I'll share what it means to own who you are and live in emotional adulthood. I'll also give five tips for living in your true identity as an emotional adult, because that, my friends, is where all your true power exists. So first things first, what is love? Many people think that love is an action, something we give or receive, and it's no secret that most of us want more of it, right, in our lives. So we put on our best dress and curl our lashes and head out the door looking for love in all the wrong places. Yet another super cheesy love song. Cue the music. No wonder there are so many songs about love. Human nature drives us constantly to seek love out there in the world. Our lives seem to revolve around finding love. So let me ask you a question. Can you actually give or receive love? Can you feel someone else's love? Consider this. Most people view love as a feeling. So if love is a feeling, what we know about feelings is we can't feel someone else's feelings and no one can make us feel anything either. In other words, you can't physically hand your love to someone else. You can't make someone in your life feel your love. So love has to be more than a feeling that we give or receive. I am suggesting that love is actually who we are. It is a state of being. When we tap into the love that we are, we live in our true identity. When we detach from the love that we are, we disconnect from ourselves, God, and others. If you know me, you know I'm always up for a good play on words. This is why I named my podcast Owning Love. We can't actually own or purchase love, although many people try to do just that. But love is not for sale. We also can't physically take love from someone else or give them our own love. No matter how hard we try, and we do try, We cannot make people fill up our own love. In our quest for acquiring love, many of us try to buy love or gain it from the outside world. We buy the external things so we can somehow acquire more of it. That cute outfit, the car, the dream house, or the perfectly staged look for Instagram. We seek outside validation and collect virtual hearts and love symbols so that we can feel more love. Of course, this is always a lie, because love is only generated within us. These eternal effects can feel very fulfilling in the moment, but when we look for the love that we are outside of ourselves, we will always fall short. You can't actually get love from outside of yourself. Each of us possesses the ability to generate our own feelings. And this is great news because it places the ability to create our own life and love squarely on our shoulders. Let's dive deeper into this concept that love is more than a feeling or action. I'm suggesting that you are love. As a nationally prominent artist, Glenda Green had many paintings in world-renowned museums. As a Christian woman, Glenda never thought about painting religious art. After a fire destroyed her art studio, she had an opportunity where she was invited to paint a portrait of Jesus Christ. She tells about her experience in her book, Love Without End, Jesus Speaks. I love this definition of love. She quotes, The source of love is the Father, the Creator Himself. Like a ray of light, you are an entity of His love. Love is the name of God, and love is your name as well. In that, you are created in His likeness. 
You are known and shall always be known by the nature of your love. Love is the essence of true beingness. Love is not something that you do or don't do, give or don't give, receive or don't receive. Let's return to the truth and consider that you are love, that love is not an action and not a commodity that you give or trade. You don't leverage it, you don't barter it, and you don't exchange it as a currency. You don't possess it or brag about how much more you have than another. When you truly understand love, you will be unable to view it as an external factor. Everyone was created as love. Current conditions are a reflection of each person's willingness and his ability to deal with life. Often the love has been neglected or disbelieved, abused, or denied. A rose in a garden is still a rose, even if it's wilted and covered in mildew. The weary and troubled faces that we see all around us are the faces of those whose love is broken. Once a man's sense of self has been separated from his true nature, then love can be understood only as an action or a feeling. In that state, everyone will surely fall short. As long as you consider love to be an external force, it will always be subject to the conditions of life. This definition of love is profound to me. Love does not exist by gaining or gathering external relationships or purchasing things. It's not external, it's internal. Love is an inside job. Love can only be generated within us, but it is even more than that. It's who we truly are. So love is the fiber of our being, our genetic spiritual DNA that binds us to God. And why does this matter in our relationships? The more we tap into the love that we are, the more we are available for connection. When we learn the skills necessary to increase our capacity to live in this state of being, we generate love in abundance and we have so much to offer in our relationships. As a result of connecting to our true selves, the closer we become to God. You don't have to be religious to be living this eternal concept. There are plenty of religious people in the world that spend their lives disconnected from the love that they are. My point is, God is all loving. We are created in His image. We are His children. When we connect to the love that we are, we connect to God, our inherent origin. This increases our capacity to connect and love others. What I'm suggesting is this. Love is the whole point of our lives here on earth. If we learn the skill of how to cultivate being our own authentic love and view it as a state of being rather than something we can take from something or someone, then we tap into our true identity and little by little develop the divine attributes of God. This is an eternal concept. As we work toward this state of being, we are actually drawing closer to our true selves. This is where our power dwells. Our capacity to love and give it abundantly is determined by our ability to generate it within. In being love, we take command of our lives. I don't know about you, but this is my ultimate goal in life. And the whole point of my podcast is to combine the truths of what I've learned through my life experience and my life coaching training into one format. By combining the secular knowledge with the spiritual truths available to me, I create awareness for myself and others and provide actionable tools that aid in this eternal process of becoming love. That being said, if you know me, you know I am far from achieving this. It's laughable to me. And my kids remind me daily that I am a work in progress. From her book, Living in Your True Identity, Brooke Snow states, did you know you have two identities? One is true and one is false. No wonder it can often feel confusing to know who you really are. The false identity is the negative voice in your mind that scripture refers to as the natural man. Your true identity is your divine nature of who God designed you to be. 
In today's culture of comparison, self-degradation, and social media idolization, it is easy to lose sight of the true you and get buried under your false identity. But beneath the layers of society's expectations, the roles you fill, and the messages you've been told, you'll find your whole perfect and worthy self. Just as a tiny acorn seed contains the blueprint to grow into a mighty oak tree, you too have within you the seed of greatness. So each of us has two identities, a true identity and a false one. What I'm suggesting is that by living in our true identity, we tap into our own love and are then available to connect with ourselves, with others, and with God. We take ownership and command of our own lives. This is often referred to as emotional adulthood. I have to share a cute experience my boys had the other day with my mom. My mom is the most loving person. If you know her, she has the gift of charity just oozing out of her and her grandkids can sense her authentic love. My mom was taking care of my boys and one of them was acting up. She clearly stated a boundary for him with a consequence to which he replied, well, you're lying, Nana. My other son responded, oh, I don't think so. Nana never lies. She is closer to Jesus than anyone I know. (laughs) I love kids. My friend shared this quote with me today from the book, The Infinite Atonement by Tad Calster. It should be no surprise that as we become more godlike, we become more powerful. Knowledge brings power. Purity brings power. Love brings power. The acquisition of each divine trait brings power. Power and Godhood are directly related. The Savior's life is a confirmation of this truth. He went from grace to grace until he received all the power, both in heaven and on earth. My friend added, what a beautiful truth to consider. Line upon line, we are growing in our own Godhoodness and power as we strive to become more like our Savior. And the gift of repentance assures us that we cannot fail if we choose to exercise faith and trust in Him. This brings so much hope and peace. So if love is who we are, then the absence of love is the disconnection from our own selves in our true identity. In our human experience, living in our true identity 100% of the time doesn't come naturally to us. Many of us spend a lot of time disconnected from ourselves. We wallow in our false identity. This is often referred to as emotional childhood. It's what science calls our ego or what religion calls the natural man. When King Benjamin, a righteous king, addressed the people in America just before the coming of Christ, he spoke about our natural man tendencies. In Mosiah 3.19, he says, For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child does submit to his father. This doesn't mean that we sit around like a doormat and let people walk all over us. It does mean, however, that we are responsible for our own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Each of us disconnects at times from the love that we are by committing sin. But if we are beings of love first, then we can always return to the love that we are. This is great news for all of us because we are not perfect. Learning the skill of returning to the state of wholeness is everything. So let's talk a little bit about our false identity. Satan knows that the purpose of life is to connect with the love that we are. In his clever quest to lead us to misery, he tries to come up with an opposite for the things that we are seeking in an attempt to confuse us. So his counterfeit for love is lust with pornography and sexual perversions, pervasive and provocativeness rampant in our world. This is one way we can get caught up in looking for love in all the wrong places. In the moment, participating in these things might 
feel like love. But in actuality, these things, of course, disconnect us from our internal love. In our search for happiness, he offers a moment of instant gratification or pleasure. This can also look appetizing, but the result is usually betrayal to our moral code and disconnect from the love that we are. Part of this conversation is bringing these counterfeits to our awareness so we can outwit the devil. These ways of disconnecting, I will refer in my podcast as buffering or ways to distract or numbing. No one is exempt. We all have our ways of distracting and numbing and resisting. So I'm going to break this concept down life coach style because I like to look at things simply. How do we exercise our true identity muscles? How do we live as the love that we are? How do we avoid detaching from our true identity and floundering in our false self or natural man habits and tendencies? The things I share today, I clearly have not mastered, but awareness is key and working on these things daily keeps my life exciting. However, the principles I'll teach you are true. How do we own our love and live in our true identity, aka emotional adulthood? The definition of emotional adulthood is consciously taking responsibility for our own feelings. When we are living in emotional adulthood, we recognize that any feeling we have is ours to take ownership of. Because our feelings drive our actions, we also take responsibility for our actions and the results they produce in our lives. Emotional childhood is what occurs when we don't take responsibility for our feelings. When we live in our false identity, we experience all the drama in our lives. This is where the victim and villain mentality abide. This is where entitlement lodges and where addictions are born. In this state, we heap on loads of optional pain and can't figure out why we feel so terrible in our relationships and in other areas of our lives. Raise your hand if you've lived here before. I have spent a lot of time (laughs) there. Why is it important to take responsibility for our feelings? Feelings are important because they determine everything in our lives. Feelings determine the quality of our relationships, how much money we have in our bank account, and the contentment or discouragement we feel every day. We develop awareness of our feelings because they drive all our actions and determine the results in every area of our lives. Think about a child. Children are dependent, right? They look to their parents to provide the solutions for their emotional and personal needs. They cry when they're hungry, tired, or hurt, and they look to the external world, their mom and dad, to help them provide for their basic needs. This is necessary for their growth, connection, and development. As we get older, however, our physical dependence on others diminishes. What about our emotional dependence? Are we truly taught how to feel feelings and that we are responsible for our feelings? We are still taught culturally that other people and external things are the cause of why we feel the way we feel. An example of this is when we say things to our kids like, look, you just hurt Sammy's feelings. We're taught that our friends hurt our feelings. Or we say things like, you make me so proud. Although we mean well when we say these things, the principle that is taught is that other people are responsible for our feelings and that others can make us feel. This is always a lie. No one can make you feel anything. Our feelings are always our choice, even if we are not consciously choosing. Our kids can't actually make us proud, just like our husbands can't make us feel loved or unloved or frustrated. We hear things like, marry someone that will make you feel happy. The truth is, your husband can't make you feel happy. What happens is this. We think a thought, and that thought produces a feeling. Whether it be happy, sad, mad, or frustrated, feelings are neutral. The feeling that we have is ours to own. 
We feel proud of our kids because we choose to think an awesome thought about them. And then that thought produces the feeling of proud. This is such great news because this means that we can intentionally choose our own feelings and therefore drive our own results. But please understand, I'm not suggesting that we feel happy all of the time. There are times I want to feel mad or sad about something terrible that happens. There's nothing wrong with feeling sad or mad or angry or frustrated. We don't want to feel happy about terrible things. We want to feel sad when someone we love dies. What I am suggesting is that if I choose to feel sad, that it is my choice and not because someone made me or something made me feel that way. So when we're in emotional childhood, we are dependent on other people or external things for our feelings. Then we give our power away to those people or or external things. When external circumstances change, then our feelings get yanked around and we feel so powerless. Then we become the victim, right? This is where the victim mentality that is rampant in our world today exists. When we camp out in victimville is what I call it, we blame the world around us for leaving us feeling powerless. It can't possibly be our fault that we feel mad. It is because someone or something made us feel that way, right? Many of us live in this space. I always know when I'm in emotional childhood, when I'm not taking responsibility for the way I feel, and when I have pity parties and rants and internal fits, and when I feel entitled or frustrated that things didn't go my way. The goal, of course, is to get out as fast as possible. And awareness is key, right? As we grow up and become adults, many of us stay in emotional childhood. We are dependent on other people or the world around us to create our feelings for us. Of course, no one can live in emotional adulthood 100% of the time. However, we can gain more awareness and become better and better at living in our true identity. We can do this more often and for longer periods of time throughout the day. Brooks Snow calls this the flipping of the switch. When we notice that we are in our false identity or emotional childhood, we can flip the switch and practice living in our true identity for longer periods of time. We do this by taking responsibility. We can teach these invaluable skills to our children. It's important to note that you cannot have a feeling without first having a thought. When we are in emotional childhood, we are thinking thoughts that create feelings, but then we think the feeling is caused by something or someone outside of ourselves. This is where the denial strategies take root. Denial strategies include habits like blame shifting and gaslighting and projecting. I'm sure we can all remember times when we have been in a conversation with someone in denial. It is not a connecting place to be. Relationships cannot thrive when we are living in a constant state of emotional childhood. When our kids do this, it's obvious to us. My son will say to his brother, he made me mad, so I hit him back. So his hitting is now his brother's fault. Most of us hear things like this daily from our kids. What if we corrected our kids in those moments? What if we asked what their part was and why they chose to feel angry? I tell my kids all the time, Feeling mad or angry is totally fine. But you have to know the only reason why you feel that way is because of your thinking. And you may want to feel that way, but it is because you are making a choice. That is so powerful. If someone tells you you're stupid, you're only hurt because you believe them. I don't want to feel happy when someone punches me. I want to feel sad about that. And of course, we have to take responsibility for how we handle our sadness or anger. Our actions are ours to own too. But when we refuse to take responsibility for our feelings, it leads to disconnection. We disconnect from our own love within ourselves first, and then we disconnect from God and others. When we disconnect, we create dependence on other people or circumstances in our lives to create our happy and positive feelings all of the time. 
So then we go out into the world around us and try to control all the things we think are making us feel. It makes sense that we blame how we feel on our spouse and our job, our kids, friends, family. When we're in emotional childhood, we depend on these external factors for our feelings. Then, of course, our feelings lead our actions and create the results we experience in our lives. Most of us grew up believing that if we did well in school, if we excelled in our sport of choice, if the boys liked us, if all these things lined up, then we would feel worthy of love. Then we would feel amazing. Of course, these things can't give us the love and acceptance that we are looking for. They add value to our lives, but not worth. And when the external things don't show up the way we want them to, we wonder where our life went wrong. This is why teenagers are famous for blaming their parents for all the things they perceive are going wrong in their lives. Our job as parents is to become emotionally healthy first so we can help our children grow out of their emotional dependence and take full responsibility for their feelings, to own their love. Emotional childhood feels powerless. It feels like life is just happening to you and there's nothing you can do about it. It feels like you're standing in oncoming traffic. It feels like you're being hurt by the world. It feels like nobody cares. Trust me, I know that feeling all too well. It's a hopeless place to live. You can become the victim of your own life and the people that you are dependent on are the villains. So much mental drama. We cannot progress when we live in this space. That is what feels so terrible. You feel stuck. Most adults function in emotional childhood completely unaware. If you were to see an adult upset and you ask them why, most likely they're going to tell you it's because of someone or something else, right? They are most likely not going to say, I'm upset because my thoughts and I'm choosing to feel upset. Now we know circumstances cannot make us upset. That is not why we are upset. We are upset because of our thinking, which is causing a feeling of upset. Again, Certain things might happen to us and we may want to feel upset about it. As emotionally healthy humans, we don't want to feel happy about upsetting things. We just need to take responsibility for how we feel if we want to stay connected to ourselves and others. I'm not suggesting now that you're aware of this, that you go around and decide which adults in your life are living in emotional childhood and tell them why. (laughs) Please do not do that. Not helpful at all. Unfortunately, I know from experience, this is for you and me. We all slip into emotional childhood. Some of us live there for years, a decade, or even a lifetime. When we are in this powerless energy, we go into control mode. And that makes sense, right? If we believe that everything outside of us can make us feel better, we become control enthusiasts. We try to control the world. So we start changing jobs and changing husbands and changing friends and schools and neighborhoods and activities. This is what control looks like. When we think the people and the circumstances in our lives need to change so we can feel better, we try to change the people and circumstances. Controlling the world doesn't work. As a recovering control enthusiast, I'm here to tell you that trying to make people change doesn't work. People want to be themselves. How nice of us to let them be themselves. And no one wants to be told who to be. Agency is a beautiful gift from God. We all voted for it. When we try to wish and pray people into submission, It sustains the lie that something outside of ourselves has the power to change how we feel. I always tell my clients that sometimes changing a circumstance is totally necessary and maybe long overdue. But when you want to make a change, like quitting a job or getting a divorce, it has to come from a place of love and connection with yourself. You want to be in emotional adulthood, taking full ownership of your feelings when you make those changes. You do not want to make decisions, especially big ones, from a reactionary place of victim and villain. 
because the new job or the new husband can't actually make you feel better. That's always your job. So now we know that we are beings of love and that when we develop the skill of living in emotional adulthood, we connect to our true identity. When we find ourselves in our false identity, how do we get out of emotional childhood and take ownership and command of our lives again? So here is a five-step activity to show you how. Okay, number one, think about a specific area in your life you really wish you could change or a specific person you really wish would change. Number two, now think of the feeling you think you will have once that change happens. Envision yourself feeling this way. Notice how the only reason why you want that person to change or show up that way or that situation to change is because you think that once that happens, then you can feel better than you do right now. Number three, the secret is feel that way first. However you felt in number two, feel that feeling first. Give yourself permission to feel the feeling you want so badly first. A change of scenery or situation will not give you that feeling. If you think that your husband behaves a certain way, then you can finally feel love or peace. Feel love or peace first. Number four, make your decisions. If you decide to make a change in your life, you want to make your decision from a place of emotional adulthood. You want to be in power and ownership of your life. You do not want to make decisions from a reactionary place of victim or powerlessness. When you make your decision, just love your reasons for choosing it. Number five, feel love within your decision. I tell my clients, don't leave your relationship or job or change a circumstance until you feel love within it. When we come at life, from a place of abundance and an angle of love, we are living in our truest identity because we are beings of love. Love always feels better. So let's recap on how to get out of emotional childhood and take ownership of our lives and the love we are seeking. First, think of the person or circumstance you want to change. Then think of the feeling you really want from them. Feel that way first by changing your thoughts about it Once this feeling becomes real, make your decision, love your reasons why, and feel love within it. This five-step process is so powerful. The truth is your emotions are generated within you, regardless of your circumstances. When you live with this awareness, you can step back into emotional adulthood, into your true identity, and take ownership of your love. This is how we get our power back in our lives. Sometimes I get it. It's not as easy as snapping your fingers. You cannot magically erase years of pain, resentment, and anger. But with time, patience, and committed effort, it can be done. This is the work I do with my clients, and it is so life-altering. The secret of commanding life through being love is a game changer. We do this by living in our true identity in emotional adulthood. We also do this by taking responsibility for our feelings. As we attain this skill and ability, we rise above the scarcity mentality that tells us we have to claw or grasp our way to feeling love. When we own our love, we have so much to give to ourselves and others from a place of abundance. When we return to being the love that we are, we take full command of our lives. To wrap up these concepts, I wanted to quote again from the book, Love Without End, Jesus Speaks by Glenda Green. The truth is you are love and you are derived from nothing except your father, the source of love. This can be an uncomfortable realization for it exposes the responsibilities you have in your life. Love is a primal power of your beingness. Goodness is the wise, dutiful, and devoted management of love as the power of life. The secret of commanding life through being love is a game changer. We do this by living in our true identity in emotional adulthood. And we do this by taking responsibility for our feelings. 
As we attain this skill and ability, we rise above the scarcity mentality that tells us that we have to claw or grasp our way to feeling love. When we own our love, we have so much to give to ourselves and others from a place of abundance. This is charity, the pure love of God. We are told to pray for this gift, to study it and to learn it. We are told to cleave unto it. In Moroni 7, 47, we read, But charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. And whoso is found possessed of it in the last day, it shall be well with him. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all energy of heart that ye may be filled with this love. When we return to being the love that we are, we are filled with this love. From this place, we take full command of our lives and live in emotional adulthood. The goal of my podcast is to reveal to you your own love. Thank you for being the love that you are and sharing this time with me. Hey, if you like this podcast and you want to know more, I have a free video and workbook I would love to send you. It is called Three Powerful Ways to Connect with Someone Without Changing Them. Simply click on the link in this podcast and put in your email and this freebie will be sent directly to your email. Oh, 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 oh